doopy doopy doo. How are you? I'm sure you are amazing. <laughs> if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Got all my happy songs going today, and of course that's because I'm outside, fresh air, in the garden, and when you do that, uh, your body just changes. Chemistry, chemically it changes. The chemistry inside your brain is different. When you're breathing in fresh air, you're getting sunshine. And I know, you know what some people say to me? Rowie, there's no sun today. It's a platinum day. Well, people don't say that. They say it's cloudy or... Oh, yucky. What a yucky day today. Well, you know what? The sun's shining above the clouds. That's number one. Number two, this for me is a platinum day because a uh, great day for gardening. And I've got no control over the bloody weather anyway, so who cares? Now, what's the point of all of this? I get to choose my attitude. Do you? <laughs> Do you have to be grumpy, miserable, and out, out of sorts because it's not sunny? And of course, the answer is no. Uh, can you change your brain chemistry by exercise? Yes, of course. But what actually changes your brain chemistry? And this is the, one of the things about anatomy and physiology, how the, how the body works, that I think a lot of exercise people, and I won't call them professionals, have either forgotten or they never learnt in the first place. Because it seems that we give everybody the same thing based on our opinion or what we've heard from somebody else. I'm going to give you a couple of examples of what's uh, what may or may not work. Now, it may work beautifully for you and may work beautifully for somebody else and it may have worked for lots of people, but it might not work for everybody. So let me give you one. Here's my, my fascinating example that I, I hear every day. Rowie, I've done my 10,000 steps. Who chose 10,000 is my first question. Uh, is it, why not 9,500? Why not 12,000? Why is it 10,000? And what if I'm 120 kilos and I'm uh, six foot tall? What if I'm 40 kilos and five foot tall? Is it still 10,000 steps? And I think that's a really important question to ask because a lot of people put their watch on, do their 10,000 steps, and that's it. I've done my 10,000, awesome. Now, there's a couple of challenges there. One is, is it possible that people will now reward themselves? I've done my 10,000, so I need a little reward. I might need an extra cookie or I might need a, an extra few hot chips when I go out for dinner because I've done my 10,000. Woohoo! The second part of that is, what's the intensity of those 10,000 steps? Is there a difference between walking 10,000 steps or sprinting 10,000 steps flat out? And I think the importance of that as an exercise professional is, in, is something that we really need to be able to explain effectively. Because is there a difference between low intensity walking and high intensity sprinting? Great question. Next question is, uh, if I've done my 10,000 and I look in the mirror on a regular basis and I don't have a stack of energy, number one, I'm not performing at my best, number two, if I don't like the way I look, because a lot of people are doing 10,000 steps to lose weight or to get to be able to fit into their clothes or because they're going on a holiday. But my challenge is this, what if that's not enough? What if, it, what if for that person they need to be doing 30,000 because they've got a lot more uh, stuff to be moving off their body? Uh, why do we give people this bland 10,000 steps? There's a, there's a classic. Here's another one I always find really interesting. We all know that we need to drink water. Our body's mostly water. If we don't drink enough or we don't get enough fluid in our body, we're going to die. There's no argument about that. But have you heard the recommendations for fluid? Eight glasses or two litres. They're pretty common, those two. Yeah, you've heard that. What size glasses? Now, I'm not being a smarty pants. 
What size glasses? If I drink eight tiny little glasses, and I'm sure there's some smarty pants that has actually done that. Rowie, I drank my eight glasses. They were just little shot glasses. Versus I've got some glasses at my house that hold a litre. So eight glasses would be eight litres. Have we ever asked the question, yeah, I've drunk my eight glasses. Well, what size were the glasses? The next question there is the two litre one. Again, what if I'm 100 kilos and, and six foot tall versus... 40 kilos or 50 kilos and 5 foot tall. Is there a difference in water requirement? Now, the, flip that on its end. What if the person that weighs 50 kilos is really active and gets really sweaty and they live in a hot climate and the person that's 100, and, 100 kilos or 120 kilos uh, doesn't do anything and they don't sweat at all? Is there a difference in water requirement? And should we be asking that question rather than bland statement, drink eight glasses or drink two litres? Awesome question. Now, one of the most controversial ones, of course, is when we should eat. And you'll often hear this, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And without, I don't want to sound sarcastic, but I've heard that more than a million times, I think, since I've been alive. Did you know that there are people that don't like to eat breakfast? There are people who are intermittent fasters, passionate scientific experts on intermittent fasting, who, who will actually say to you, preach at you, um, point a finger at you and say, don't eat breakfast. It's, it's the wrong time of the day to eat. You should be eating, not eating until four o'clock in the afternoon, or you should eat breakfast and then you shouldn't eat again till the next breakfast. Uh, so this, this bland statement of breakfast is the most important meal of the day, I think it needs a little bit of, a bit more uh, studying, research, analyzation, and most importantly, uh, will that fit into somebody's lifestyle? Now, the other one that's interesting, and there's a big pile of them, by the way, but ones that always run through my headspace because they come up on a regular basis. Uh, I need to do three sets of 10 or I need to do a certain number of repetitions of exercise. And I used to believe that and I used to uh, tell people to do that and I used to do it myself because I thought it was right until I started asking, why? Why is it three sets of 10? Why is it not four? Why is it not two? Why do we do that many number of repetitions? And I'm going to really challenge you on this one if you're a coach or if you are an exercise professional. If you go back to your, the basic fundamentals of, of anatomy and physiology, you, you can't go past the energy timeline. You have to understand the phosphate system, the lactate system, and the aerobic system. So in the phosphate system, it's 100% effort. It's uh, fast twitch muscle fibers. It's uh, phosphates being used in, in the muscle. There's no uh, waste product. And it only lasts for 10 seconds. That's a, the quick wrap-up of the phosphate system. The lactate system is uh, 10 seconds to 2 minutes. It's still high intensity. The energy source is glycogen, carbohydrate, glucose. Uh, it has, however, a very interesting waste product called lactic acid, which causes burning sensation in the muscle. People who don't have a, a resilience or a they can... Uh, handle uh, lactic acid in their system they end up feeling sick so I've got burning muscles and people feeling sick uh, and it's a it's a high intensity activity uh, space but it's something that most people don't like you might love it because you're a, a high intensity exercise person or you're a 400 meter sprinter or you love lifting heavy weights for long periods of time but for most people a burning sensation and vomiting is probably not something they want to be part of their exercise program 
Once we go past two minutes, we're in the aerobic system where we're using carbohydrate, protein, carbohydrate and fat predominantly, a little bit of protein. We breathe in oxygen, we breathe out carbon dioxide, and we can do that for a very long time. That's what we're all, most of us, when we're not exercising at 100% effort, when we're not exercising for more than, or we're exercising hard for less than two minutes, we're working phosphate, lactate, otherwise we're in the aerobic system. Now that's a quick overview of that. Here's the question. Which part of that says I need to do three sets or which part of that says I need to do X number of repetitions? Why do we put a number on something? Why don't we ask the question, which is the best energy system for everybody to be working in so they get the best results possible? And I'd really like to lay it out there if you are an exercise professional or a coach. If I give somebody an aerobic exercise where it's long, they can go for a long period of time, but they're working at 50, 60, 70% effort. What kind of result are they going to get? Could the result take a long time? Could the exercise take a long time? If I'm lifting, for example, and I'm lifting in the aerobic system, obviously I'm lifting too light because if I can keep going and going and going, I'm not overloading my muscles. If I'm in the lactate system and people are getting a burning sensation in their muscles and they feel sick, and I just have to quick, I always do a side note on this one, that burning sensation that you get in your muscles when you're lifting in the lactate system where you're producing lactic acid, is it possible that these not exploding fat cells, and you're not burning any fat at all in the lactate system because the energy source is carbohydrate, glycogen, and glucose. So you're not burning fat there. That burning sensation, what is it? Lactic acid pushing against your nerve endings, causing pain. If we give people an exercise program that makes them feel sick and gives them burning muscles, is it possible they might not stick to it? There's just a, a simple question. And then if, I'm, if I've got people in the phosphate system, it's short and fast, there's no waste product, it's 100% effort. Psychologically, would I be able to work harder, do, do it more often, be less likely to quit because it's only 10 seconds? But when it comes to strength training, where do sets and reps fit into that? If I want to get the best result possible, do I want to use fast twitch muscle fibers that would waste away if I don't use them? Fast twitch muscle fibers are the ones that mean I can sprint hard, I can jump high, I can punch hard, I can do everything at 100% effort. So do I want to use those? Of course I do, because if I don't use them, I'm going to lose them. So I want to work at 100% effort. The only one out of the, if you're looking at that simple process, phosphate, lactate, aerobic, the only system where I'm working at 100% effort, whether I'm wanting to get fit or get strong is in the phosphate system and yet we tell people to pace themselves through three sets of 10 and let's just say I'm going to work really hard do my 10 10 repetitions have a rest do another 10 repetitions have a rest do another 10 repetitions please consider this as an exercise professional first of all if I know that I'm going to have to do three sets is it possible that I'm going to pace myself even if it's only a tiny bees willy but I know that I have to do three not one is it possible that because I have to lift do it three times, I might not lift as heavy? Because if I, if I do my ultimate effort at 100% effort, phosphate system, and then I go back and do it again, uh, how long does it take for the phosphate system to recover? And when, when do muscles grow? When they're lifting or when they're recovering? And the recovery process, once I've, and I always use this example, once I've banged the nail in, it's in. Once I've turned the light on, it's on. Why do I have to go and do it again? Anything I do after that, isn't that going to interrupt my recovery time? And I'm asking that question very seriously because I think as exercise professionals, we've either forgotten that phosphate lactate aerobic system energy timeline, or we never learned it in the first place, or we don't understand it. 
So I'll just wrap that up with some beautiful questions to consider if you are an exercise professional or a coach. Do you want to give people the best results in the shortest period of time in the safest way possible? If it's in the phosphate system, it's going to be short, 10 seconds. It's going to give me 100% results because I'm putting in 100% effort. I have no lactic acid produced. I don't work aerobically, so it's not going to be slow and boring. Because I'm working at 100% effort, because I'm producing epinephrine, adrenaline, cortisol, the catecholamine system is working. Uh, now I've got human growth hormone and uh, testosterone being produced, which means if I'm a bloke, I'm more likely to get bigger muscles faster. If I'm a woman, I'm going to get stronger faster. I have no waste product, no lactic acid. I don't feel sick. I have no burning sensation. And I'm going to get people the best results in the shortest period of time in the safest way possible. Safest because I'm not doing pounding. I'm not doing over and over and over and over and over. You put shearing forces across the joint, you're going to hurt the joint, even if you only do a short number of them. So that's why I was doing this. But even if I do a nice compound exercise, if I do squats, if I do lunges, if I do push-ups or, or chin-ups, they're the compound exercises use big muscle groups and lots of joints at the same time. If I do them over and over and over and over, am I more likely to get injured? Am I more likely to get injured by doing one set or three sets, five sets or ten sets? Great questions. Then the last question on strength training, which I think people have forgotten, is why do we tell people three times a week or five times a week or twice a week? Or I don't know how often you should train. You don't know how often you should train. We only know that we're ready to lift again, get puffed again. Puffed again's easy. When you've got your heart rate back to normal, go again. When you are stronger is the only time to lift again. Does that make sense? Of course it does. Come on. If I'm not getting stronger, if I can't lift heavier, I'm not getting stronger. If I'm not getting stronger, what am I doing this for? What just to, And I get that. Some people love to go to the gym because they love the experience of going to the gym. But if you're going to the gym because you want to get a result, if you're getting puffed because you want to get a result, if your result is to be fit and strong and lean and healthy for the rest of your life and to have great self-esteem, self-confidence, healthy, strong bones, uh, great hair, great skin, great nails, a strong immune system so you don't get sick, a fast metabolism so you burn it all up, is it possible that it could be a really good idea to consider some of these questions? How often should I train? If I'm not getting stronger, if I'm not getting puffed, so I'm not getting fitter, what's the point? And I'll just leave that for you to consider. Last question, really interesting. Uh, what should we eat and how hard should we exercise are probably the two big questions that you'll always get as an exercise professional. Uh, here's a, a really interesting question. When you tell people what to eat, what if everybody ate exactly the same thing? Exactly. Would we all look the same? I'm going to plant that question because I think it's really important. Second question, is it possible that people burn calories at a different speed and they have a different uh, requirement of calories per day because of their lifestyle and their, the build of their body? And is it possible to change what's going on inside the body? So these are the three parts that as an exercise professional, as a coach, uh, if you're telling people what to eat and you're telling people how to exercise, do you have a really good understanding of what these three things are? First of all, base metabolic rate, which is how many calories a human body needs to survive at rest in a warm room for 24 hours. That's base metabolic rate. So let's say it's uh, a tall, big person, 100 kilos, might need and let's say 3,000 calories a day. If they were lying flat in a warm room 
So there's no change of temperature and they're not moving, their base metabolic rate is 3,000. A small person who's 50 kilos and not very tall, <coughs> excuse me, lying flat in a warm room might need 2,000 calories. And I'll just use round numbers. First of all, those two numbers are completely different. Base metabolic rate is determined by what my body, how many calories, how many units of energy my body needs to survive at rest in a warm room for 24 hours. Okay, that's easy. So that's different for everybody. Would that be fair? It's not, not everybody's got the same base metabolic rate. Now, the other interesting thing there is the body composition. Somebody might weigh 50 kilos, but if they're 50... 45 kilos of muscle and only 5 kilos of everything else. It's a different base metabolism than somebody that's predominantly fat. Muscle is an active uh, metabolic machine. It requires more calories just to sit because it's active. Fat doesn't require, require calories just to sit. It's just flabby yellow stuff that sits between your skin and your muscles and inside, sometimes inside that, well, it does sit inside to hold your, inter, your internal organs up. It doesn't do much. So if somebody's got 50% body fat versus somebody that's got 5% body fat, it's a different base metabolic rate because of the makeup of the body, yeah? The next part of that, of course, is how much water somebody has inside their body, which will determine their weight, and then the strength of, or the, the weight of their bones. So if somebody doesn't do anything and they've got, uh, they're heading towards osteoporosis, bone thinning, their bones are getting thinner and lighter versus somebody that lifts heavy things all the time and they've got strong bones their weight is going to be different. So their metabolic rate is going to be different. Things to consider, really importantly, that's base metabolic rate determined by lots of things. The next step to that is metabolic rate, which changes in everybody, everybody. The minute we start moving around, the minute the temperature changes, whenever we eat something or we don't eat something, uh, if we get stressed, if we get excited, if we have sex, if we play sport, doesn't matter. All of those things change the speed of our metabolism, which is simply how many calories we're burning at that particular time, yeah? And I'm sure as a coach or an exercise professional, you, you, you already know that. I'm just doing an overview. So if I go outside in the cold, and right now where I'm standing, it is literally zero degrees. It's well and truly the afternoon, but today it's zero. So standing out here right now, if it was midsummer in exactly the same spot and it was 20 degrees, my metabolism would be different because 20 degrees is much closer to normal. <laughs> when you go outside of normal homeostasis, which is base metabolism, now your hormonal system kicks in and says, Roa, you're standing outside in the freezing cold at zero degrees. We have to do something inside your body to warm you up, otherwise you'll die. So your hypothalamus sends messages to your thyroid, start shivering, and of course, isn't that exciting? You, you stay warm. The human body doesn't die even though it's out in the cold. Yay. Ha <laughs> ha. Meta metabolic rate changes. Do nothing, it slows down. Have a cold shower, it speeds up. Eat food, it speeds up. Have sex, it speeds up. Laugh, it speeds up. It changes all the time. Easy. Third part, respiratory quotient or respiratory quotient, depending on how you how pronounce it. Uh, isn't it exciting that the human body burns calories from fat and protein and carbohydrates. So your respiratory quotient will always be burning a combination of those three. If you're working in the 100% phosphate system, only stored phosphate in the muscle. If you're working in the lactate system, only carbohydrate, glycogen, glucose. If you're working in the aerobic system, then you're going to be burning a combination of carbohydrate, protein, and fat. When you're exercising, 
all living because obviously the aerobic system we're always in the aerobic system sometimes we're 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 breathing heavier in the aerobic system we're working harder in the aerobic system but if we're always breathing in oxygen breathing out carbon dioxide and using protein carbohydrate and fat for energy we're in the aerobic system okay so what if you wanted to change that Here's what I don't want to change. The phosphate system, we're burning stored phosphates, which come literally from sugar in, in, stored inside the muscle, glucose. I think we underestimate the power of glucose and how important it is inside the body. But you won't because you're an exercise professional who's going to study why glucose is so important. Yes? Woohoo! So stored phosphates in the muscle. Uh, and I need when I'm exercising, that's all I'm going to use. I, I'm not using carbon di- breathing in uh, oxygen, breathing out carbon dioxide. The energy is actually coming from the stored phosphates in my muscle. Yay! In my lactate system, now I'm using carbohydrate as an energy source. And then when I'm working aerobically, I'm using carbohydrate, protein, and fat. And it's only a tiny bit of protein, of course, but you already know that. So here's the question. Uh, I don't want to change my respiratory quotient in phosphate or lactate because I can't. (laughs) I want to burn more carbohydrate. No, no, you just work harder and you will automatically. But here's the beautiful thing. When you're really fit and you're constantly working in your phosphate system and or your lactate system, but the challenge with lactate is that lactic acid which causes burning and causes people to feel sick. And yes, you can build up a resilience to it, of course. But if you're working really hard using carbohydrate all the time, carbohydrate, 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 we only store half a kilo of carbohydrate. Yay, but you know that already, don't you? So what happens is, and I'm just going to put it into simple terms. This is my, my body talking to itself. Rowie, you're constantly sprinting. You're constantly lifting heavy. You're constantly getting stressed because you're lifting rocks and gravel and sand and you're sprinting on the cross trainer and you're punching the bag. You're constantly using carbohydrate as an energy source to exercise. So we, we can only provide you with half a kilo of stored carbohydrate. The rest you have to eat. So when you're resting, Rowie, what we're going to do is we're going to change that respiratory quotient so that you burn more fat because there's plenty of fat. Fat cells can expand. We can, uh, they can even split and make more. That's called hyperplasia. Uh, the fat system, we've usually got more fat than we have carbohydrate. Most people have much more fat on their body than they do half a kilo of stored carbohydrate. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to change your respiratory quotient So that when you're resting, we're going to store the carbohydrate that you need for sprinting and punching and kicking and lifting heavy rocks in the garden. And we're going to burn predominantly fat when you're resting. And even me, who's constantly active all day long, I still rest more. I still work more in my aerobic system than I do in my phosphate and lactate system, of course. Which means when I'm in my aerobic system, when I'm breathing in oxygen, breathing out carbon dioxide, using fat, carbohydrate and protein, I want to use more fat than anything else. I really want to use the fat, not the 30, sorry, the stored carbohydrate, the one half a kilo of carbohydrate that's, that, that I have stored. Now, it also means that when I've got a faster base metabolic rate by having more muscle and strong bones, so I can increase the, that one, the base metabolic rate can go up. I can go from, we can take people from using 1,500 calories a day to 2,000 calories a day to 3,000 calories a day just because we replace the muscle they've lost because they've been inactive. Blokes can put on 5 to 10 kilos of muscle if they want to, if they've got high levels of testosterone and hormone gro- human growth hormone, which, by the way, are produced when you put your body under stress. So you can put on more muscle, increase your base metabolic rate. That's bloody exciting, yeah? When you exercise, obviously your metabolic rate goes up. When you get cold, when you eat food, when you do stuff, your metabolic rate goes up. 
But if you want to change your respiratory quotient, all you've got to do is get really fit and really strong so that when you're resting and your body's working aerobically, now you're going to be burning predominantly or your body prefers to burn fat. It becomes a preferred energy source simply because you've got a fast, oh, sorry, a fast metabolism, a higher base metabolic rate and a respiratory quotient that wants to save the half a kilo of stored carbohydrate so that it can use it for high intense activity because you're fit and strong. Let's wrap all of that up. When you're fit and strong, everything works better. Let's get people fit and strong. Let's forget about all the other stuff that we tell people. You've got to drink this, eat that, exercise at this time, eat at this time, do this exercise. How about we learn our anatomy and physiology, learn how the energy timeline works, and then put people into a, a, a system, an energy, a part of the energy system that actually gets them fit and actually gets them strong so that they can be fit and strong for the rest of their life without all the other stuff that may or may not work. Do 10,000 steps work, possibly, uh, for some people. Is it good for some people to eat breakfast? Probably, because there's people who love to eat breakfast. So why take that pleasure away from them if you're an intermittent faster? Are there some people that only need eight glasses of water every day and they've figured out that this is the size of the glass that I need? Yes, but maybe that's not going to work for everybody. Here's my three requests. As an exercise professional, would it be a really good idea to get people fit, get people strong, and then do it in a way that's going to be best for them? Could that be a really great idea? And then you could be like me, happy all the time, woohoo! If you're happy and you know it, sing a song, la la la. If you're happy and you know it, little dance, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're happy and you know it, then you really ought to show it. If you're happy and you know it, inform your face, woohoo! 